Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. Uh, We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, We're starting the second half of 1st. That's not a very exciting title for this next part, Um, but that's what it is. Uh, In fact, chapter 4 begins with the words, finally, then, uh, or finally, therefore. And this is Paul's way, quite often in his letters, of saying, this is the, the next section or the final section that I'm going to talk about in my letter. So Paul's been dealing with some things all up to this point, and then he shifts gear and he goes, all right, now let's talk about this. Okay? This new section, I tried to think of some other possible titles for it. Um, I thought about instructions for a godly life because Paul gets into some really practical stuff. So he shifts from in theory to practice. Okay? Um, so I love this kind of stuff. I thought about instructions for the Christian walk. I thought about, um, in the words of the principal at Danville High School, let's keep it real. I thought about just call it, that'd be our statement, right? Let's keep, Paul's going to keep it real for the rest of this, okay? So I thought about doing that. In fact, uh, as we go, a title may come to me as we progress through this, okay? So I don't know if I have one yet. If one sticks out to you, Jot it down. Share it with me. I'm not promising I'll use it. But it might be exactly what I'm looking for. So hold on to it. Now, I want to give you an illustration here. I'm going to give you a couple illustrations right off at the beginning. Okay? So illustrations right at the beginning. After I give those illustrations, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into this. Okay? I want you to think for a minute how an oak tree grows. Think about how an oak tree grows. What what does an oak tree start off as? Yeah. uh, Somebody said it. I heard it. Right? Like an acorn? Yeah, a nut. Like this church. A bunch of nuts. Right? Well, acorn. There are, in just an oak tree DNA, there is enough information in one of those cells, that, that initial cell that starts that tree, there's enough information to fill 2,000 books, 500 pages long. Now, that might sound like a lot, but you've got to understand that the information that is in there tells that oak tree how to grow. So an oak tree, an acorn, like how does it know which direction, an oak tree is not conscious, where the information that, tells it to grow those roots down instead of up. That was information. How does it know to then start sprouting those leaves up? How does it know to the design of the leaves? So all the little, there's little passageways of things that are connected where it's going to start, and and how, how does it know how to, create and make the chlorophyll so it can get the information, for the, the heat from the sun and convert it to energy and pull the stuff up from the root. How does it know all that stuff? Well, obviously, it doesn't know it. But all that information is written into the DNA of the oak tree. Now, if somebody were to walk up to me and they were to say, Matt, how does an oak tree grow from an acorn to a full tree. 
I would look at them in the eye and I would say, man, God does that. Now, if I say that, does that mean I'm like, that DNA is not important for nothing? Is that what that means? No, in fact, I'm going to tell you right now, I think that when I say that God does that, there's, I mean, it's, it's full, well, 2,000 books, 500 pages of information that God has written into that. And so the way that God grows the oak tree is basically through instructions. Right? So, I mean, so I can clearly say God, God grew it. But it, it was also following what God has done. But, but I still, even with all those instructions, I still, I still know that the ultimate reason why it grows is still God. I know that. But I also know that there's, there's processes that God has created that, that cause it to grow. That's a good illustration, I think, for what I'm trying to get to. Let me give you another one. This one, I'm going to skip past a thing right here. Get to another one. Actually, I'll tell you why I had that verse in there. I was going to mention this. This was from last week, but I'm trying to progress quickly. Uh, this is at the very end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Sanctification. I want you to think about the word sanctification is setting apart. Many times it's very much associated with growing in Christ, okay? And so we read this last week. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And so we talked about that relationship. Remember the two puzzle pieces? Right? Remember these two things? Yeah, there we go. Remember that? God, he'll do it. If you're a child of God, he is going to grow you in the faith. You can have full confidence that he is going to do it. But yet the Bible is still full of instructions, is it not? Let me give you my other illustration. I love this one. This one, this one twists my brain in a knot. So I'm going to give you this illustration, and then I'm going to have to pray, because my brain's going to be in a knot after thinking about it too long. Okay? In Acts chapter 27, Paul the Apostle is on a ship. He's on his way to Rome. There's a storm. The ship is sinking. They're throwing all the stuff overboard. And then and, and everybody's getting worried. Are we going to make it? We don't know if we're going to make it. And the ship, and, and it's days, right? And, and at some point... God tells, it's okay, Darius, it's not a real storm. It's, it's happened in Acts 27. Uh, it, at some point, God comes to Paul and says, everybody's going to make it. Not a soul will be lost on this ship. Prediction of the future. This is going to happen, Paul. Tell everybody, don't worry, you're all going to make it. Paul goes and tells them. Now, some of them, in the process... Even though they hear this, we're going to make it. Some of them go, some of the sailors, they're like, now, now understand, it doesn't say they don't believe Paul, but some of them start to let down the lifeboats to, to abandon the main ship and get in these and try to make it to shore. Paul goes to the captain and says this. He says, if we're going to make it, they got to stay in the boat. Now, the captain does a great thing. He cuts the lifeboats free and says, all right, we're all in. Now, let me tell you why this twists my brain up. Basically, what Paul said was, we're all going to make it, but you've got to stay in the boat. Okay, 
What if they would have gotten on, off the boat? What if someone would have said, I don't want to obey, and they would have gotten off the boat? Would God's prediction, then would they have... In fact, wait a minute. Did God say you're going to make it because he knew they were going to stay on the boat? You see how my brain is going to get twisted up by this? You got you got you got to stay in the boat. Hey, you nobody's going to die. Don't worry. But you got to stay in the boat. What if I get don't stay in the boat? Does that mean I'm not going to make it? It doesn't say. It just says you're going to make it, but you got to stay in the boat. I love that illustration because I think it plays out precisely what happens in the Bible. Okay? Now, I've set some illustrations. I'm going to come back to that one in just a second. But I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray because I'm going to tell you right now, I was talking to Charity about this just this morning. I've been a, I've been a pastor long enough now that I can start to say things like, you know, I've been a pastor for a while now. And there's something that I'm going to tell you, Chair Down, we actually tried this morning, just not like real, you know, we weren't like really trying, but we tried a little bit to try to, to count how many people we have lost from this church because of what I'm getting ready to talk about. Okay? I can't tell you how many people, they've been all in. Oh, man. I can remember this one particular instance. Obviously, I'm not going to say names, right? I remember the one particular instance. Um, I was preaching through the Sermon on the Mount, and they were loving the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. But that's not the only thing the Sermon on the Mount talks about. And I can't tell you. We, we got over, I think we had seven or eight that just came to us right off the bat. They were all in. They loved the thing. They were coming to church. They were hearing what God has to say. They're loving this stuff. But then, but then there came this point. And I thought about it this way. I thought, it's kind of like the, these, these instructions that Paul is going to get to. I mean, what literally we're going to have happen in 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes this letter, he goes through all these things, and then chapter 4 is where he shifts gears and said, okay, now let's talk about how we do this. And I'm going to tell you right now, every time, almost every letter that Paul shifts gears from the big ideas to what, what, what do you need to do now? Just like those people on the boat. God's going to save you guys. Stay on the boat. Well, what, what does God saving us look like? It means, it means you're staying on the boat. That's what it means. So when Paul shifts gears from the big God and what he's done to, hey, what, what, okay, what, what am I supposed to do with this? What does this actually look like? Oh, nearly every time he shifts into the exact same topic, which in and of itself is hugely important. Okay, so I'm going to get, get ready to jump into this. Knowing full well, but no longer worried about it, that there are always some who hear this and they go, I'm out. Okay? Let's pray and then jump into chapter 4. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this day, and I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that as we dig into your word. I don't have to, Lord, this is a personal thanks on my behalf, Lord. I don't have to come up with topics to talk about in church. Lord, I just teach your word. This is what it says. I, I'm thankful for that. Lord, I don't want the responsibility of trying to come up with the things to talk about. 
So I just want to present what your word says. And I, I thank you that you've provided us with word that we can study and learn and that I can present. Lord, I, th- I just thank you for that. I pray now that you'd help me now to present, as I present your word, to present accurately the way you would have me to do it. Pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so these first two verses here in chapter 4, I'm, on, I'm, I'm letting you in on a little secret these first two verses, what's going to happen as Paul progresses through these verses is precisely what I've experienced multiple times. Sometimes it's happened when I've counseled with somebody. Sometimes it's happened just as I'm preaching through the Bible and I'm preaching through the Bible and people are loving it. So we've been going through. Here we go. Verse 1 of chapter 4. Finally then, I already talked about what that means, right? Here we go. Last topic. Paul's shifting gears. Here we go. Practical stuff. Let's go. Finally, brothers, we ask and urge you In the Lord Jesus, ask, it's a request, like I'm asking you to do this, but urging, there's that same word we talked about before, it's an exhortation, it's a come alongside, come on, let's go, right? We ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, so Paul's not saying just this is me now, no, he's saying this is in the Lord Jesus, that as you received, and those candles are distracting me, I might have to blow them out in a minute. I saw smoke coming off that one, and I thought, man, I'm preaching it good now. (laughs) Smoke coming off the pulpit. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I can't be trusted with candles. Wow. Um, And I was just, in the Lord Jesus. (laughs) Okay, sorry, sorry. Um... That as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. So, so Paul's not saying, here's something brand new. It, this is most likely something he taught when he was with the Thessalonians in Thessalonica. This is probably one of the first things he talked about. Like I said, this is almost always one of the first things Paul talks about. As you receive from us how you ought to walk. In fact, that's where I start to lose people. Ought to. I want to tell you what you ought to do. <laughs> You ought to stop telling me what to do. Now, honestly, people love what God offers until he goes, this is how you ought to go. This is how you ought to live. And that word ought, ought to, could also be translated, it is necessary for you to live this way. How you live your life, how you walk, how you live your life, and that you please God. This is how you're going to do this. Just as you are doing. So in other words, and I can say this right now, looking out on this church, as far as I know, it's not, this isn't anything that I would look at and go, nobody's doing this one. Okay, so just as you are doing. But Paul says that you do so more and more, or literally still better. So here's these things, the things that I've taught you. Do it more. But we're doing it. Okay, do it better. Keep at it. Grow in it. Okay? Verse 2. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Here again. He's building it up. The instructions, the commands, the proclamations of Christ. This is not Paul. It's from the Lord Jesus himself. And once again, this is where, like, when I'm talking to people, some people really, they start to, the anticipation starts to build. Because they've been hearing all this good stuff about God. And they're like, I want that peace. I want that assurance. I want all those things that God offers. I want that stuff so bad. And then I start, I'm like telling them all the stuff. God, 
this is what he did for you. He died on the cross for you. All of your sins are taken care of in the cross. Just going on and on, telling the gospel message. And then at some point I started to go, now this is what you need to do with this information. And I, I've had some people, they, they literally, they go, okay, hang on, wait. And they get their pencil out. Okay, what do I do? And I always have the anticipation start to build. Okay, instruction. So wait, Matt, this is instructions from the Lord. Yeah. Oh, I want to know that stuff. Break it down, Matt. I mean, I heard what you said. It sounded really good, but I still don't know what I'm supposed to do. Verse 3. For this is the will of God. So the anticipation is building even more. This is the will of God. Like if you ever go, I, I've gone to this verse before when somebody goes, I just don't know what God's will for my life is. This is the will of God. Oh, wait, pencil. The will of God. For, the, you mean the Bible just tells me what it is? Isn't that great? You don't have to try to figure it out anymore. If you came in here today and you're like, I just don't know what God's will for my life is. I'm getting ready to tell you. It's right here. This is the will of God. Your sanctification. That sanctification that God's doing in me? Yeah, that thing. That where he's setting you apart for these amazing God purposes in your life. Oh, man, I really want that. I want to know what God wants me to do. I want to be, like, I want to be a God person. On this earth. Like, God's got a purpose for me. I want in on it. I, I'm telling you, this is the will of God for you. This is your sanctuary. You're setting apart. Okay. Wait, Matt. I still don't have my pencil. All right. What is it? And I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to pop it up there. Because that's only the first half of verse 3. I'm going to pop it up there. And I know that some of you, if you unless you have your Bibles out and you're reading ahead, you cheaters. Uh, some of you, you're going to hear it and you're going to go. And, and I, I've had this. I've, I've seen this happen in people. I've been talking about the good things of God. They're like, okay, okay, what am I supposed to do? What am I, I'm ready, I'm ready. And then I say this next part and they go. <laughs> Are you ready for it? Is the anticipation there? You got your pencils out? It's big. It, there's usually a, oh, that? <laughs> okay, now, let me give you some explanation. When you see the word sexual immorality, there's a Greek word that is translated sexual immorality. I'm going to tell you the Greek word, and you're going to go, I think I know that word. This is not an English word. No, it's the Greek word. The Greek word that's translated sexual morality is pornea. Pornea. Just in the Bible, that word is used to refer, so there's, if you look at all the places where that word is used and what it refers to, it refers to a wide variety of things. Refers to any sexual behavior that is outside of the proper act between a husband and a wife. It can refer, there's times in the Bible where it refers to homosexuality, refers to lesbianism. There's even times in the Bible where it refers to bestiality. If you're like, what's that? Don't worry about it. Um, incest. It also refers to things like adultery, fornication. And Jesus even tells us in his sermon on the Mount 
He says, you've heard it said, don't do this. But I tell you, if you've even looked lustfully in your heart, you've committed it already. Now, I'm not going to make you do it. But if I said, who in this room is guilty of this? When you tack on Jesus' explanation of it, if I said, who's guilty of it? If you don't raise your hand, I wouldn't believe you. Okay? And the fact that Paul, every time he shifts gears from the big things of God to, okay, let's take that and put it into practice. Nearly every single time that Paul talks about the big thing and he shifts into practice, nearly every single time, the very first thing he brings up is this. But you know what that tells me? That's not just a today problem. That must have been a 2,000 year ago problem. And if you read the Old Testament, it must have been an issue back then too. What I'd like to do today, because I'm telling you right now, I could spend the next month talking about all of the aspects of what the Bible teaches on this topic. But I want to give you, because I'm, I'm talking about what Paul says to the Thessalonians. And the Thessalonians were a group, and so I'm, I'm thinking about Edgewood. Thessalonians were a group, where as a group, when he, when he, when he referred to them, he said, this is stuff you already know, just, just do it some more. Okay? Which means everybody in this room, wherever you're at on the scale of abstaining from what is immoral, everybody in this room has a step higher that you could go, according to Paul. Do it some more. How can you grow in this? Okay, so I don't want anybody in the room to be thinking about, they probably really need to hear it. <laughs> right? Nobody's going to do that today, right? Okay, do you think I'm up here thinking, like aiming my eyeballs. I'm going to try to be really good about like looking at everybody or I'll just <laughs> look at nobody. You think I don't have areas to grow in this right here? All right, let me skip ahead in my notes here. I want to give you three, but I, I think when I read this text, I, there's three, I'm going to call them means. Three, three things. So in, in Paul's teaching on this, I think there's three means or ways. You can think about it as ways to be obedient to this. Three ways. And then Paul gives, after he gives three ways, he gives three motivators. Okay? The first one, you've already seen. At the end of this verse, starts with the letter A. Laser pointer time. Uh, where is it at? Where, oh, what's that word? Abstain. You know what that means? Stop it. I'm going to tell you right now. That is such a difficult but very important step. People get stumped when I want to... Stop it. But when you, if you start, stop. As soon as you think it, so I should stop, stop. Fire start, stop. <laughs> but I, no, just, where, stop it. 
Abstain means stop. There's other places where Paul says flee. Run away from it. You're on the computer, you start to see something you shouldn't, even accidentally. Get away from it. In my, in my life, I, I, I've gone, I've, gone, I, I've like taken some drastic things where I've been like, I've verbally, like when I've been tempted, said out loud, no! No, 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 no! Now look at myself. Stop it! I'm telling you, very important step. Very practical. Stop. I did it again. Well, don't do it after that. Stop. Very important step. But I've had some situations. I've had some times where we've counseled. They said, but I'm, you have somebody who's, they, they've been, they haven't been living for Christ, and they start hearing these things that I want to believe in God, and they come start coming to church, but they're, but they're living together. Ultimately, you know what the advice that I give them is? That's an urge and a necessity. You, stop. You, you need to, somebody needs to move out. If you want to do what God wants you to do, that's got to happen. But I don't know where to go. Find a plate. Well, I still don't know where to go. I've tried every place. I've talked to everybody. Nobody's going to Come to my house. I will let you sleep on my couch until you find a place. Stop. Please stop. Dating somebody doesn't have the same standards. You started to come to church, but... This person that you're with doesn't have those same standards. You're like, I'm really trying to stop doing this. And they're like, I'm really not thinking that way. <laughs> I think we should do it right now. <laughs> you know, Stop. No. Break up. I love them. I'm going to talk about this again in a minute. The moment you engage in pornea sexual immorality with that person, that is not. It can't. There's, there's no category where that is loving. That's not love anymore. I don't care how you feel about it. That's not love. Love does what is good for others in the eyes of God. And that is not love. Paul will talk about that again in just a second. Number two, means. That each one of you, he says here, that each one of you know how to control his own body and holiness and honor. Now, this word that's translated control can also be translated possess. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't care whether you're a Christian or not. You can defy your genetic programming. People know this in the area of diets. My stomach says, put this in my mouth. Right? But do people have the ability, maybe not all the time, maybe they struggle with it. I'm the son I'm talking about. But do you, do you have the ability at any given moment to say, I don't have to. I can actually choose not to. You're not an animal. You can be in charge of your body. Your body is not in charge of you. Though some of you let it be. I struggle with this is in the food category. Working on it. Probably not as much as I should. Great, I know what I'm going to have to do this week. 
diet. But in all seriousness, isn't that what it's ultimately about? And there's two things here. We're just controlling two things. In holiness, I mean, this is the thing that God said he's, he's doing with you. He's going he's gonna to make you that way. But, but your role in this, even though he's doing it, your role in this is still to go follow the instructions. Say, okay, so that means I've got to dedicate this physical body for God's holy purposes. I've got to dedicate this physical body for God's holy purposes. Control it for that purpose. Control it for the sake of God. I don't think it's any coincidence that every time Paul goes from these big, amazing things that he shifts right in, this is like, this is like step one. I want to be God's kind of person. So let's start right there. Stop it. Your body is not yours anymore. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit, Paul says in Corinthians. It's not your own. It was bought with a price. In fact, that word honor can also be translated price or value. In fact, sometimes it's actually translated valuable. There's all kinds of counseling areas that I, I was thinking about that word, and I was like, there's so many side avenues that I would love to just go down and explore. Like that one right there, like, like to, to stop then is actually placing more value on this vessel that God has given you. Right? So stop. In my head, I picture this process Kind of like, now, I don't watch a lot of Westerns now, but I, man, I used to all the time. Some good old John Wayne, right? Gunsmoke. Oh, there we go. I, I, I picture the stagecoach that is out of control. It happens in everyone. The old West would have been a tough place to live. Oh, stagecoach is going all over the place. I picture the stagecoach is going out of control, Right? One well, of the first things they do is they, got, they stop, that, I mean, whether it's the cowboy that rides up to the front and grabs the front, whoo, right? And they, they stop, they'll stop it. And then they usually what? What's the next thing they do? Give the reins back to the guy that's driving it. That dummy that was like, <laughs> you know, it, take the reins again. I have to stop the stage because this is the fifth time this week, Billy. <laughs> right? Give the reins. Okay, reins. Right? You stop it, get the rank, get the control. Control's back where it should be. The horses aren't in control, I'm in control. But then sometimes they have to figure out what caused this problem. Paul says next in verse 5, he gives a knot. Not, not like this. So this controlling of the body isn't done this way. He says not in the, in the passion of lust, or it's actually those words are just together, lustful passion. So lustful is this craving, desiring, passion, how you feel. I, I missed this element. I don't know. I, I was talking to Charity about this this morning. I'm, somewhere in my youth, I missed this. I don't think, I don't blame any preachers that I had before, but I missed this part. I thought, I, I genuinely thought, I, and you've gone to church for a while, you know it's true. I genuinely thought when I became a Christian that God was going to flip a little switch in my head and I would suddenly no longer want to do bad things. Now, everybody that's been a Christian for a while goes, well, that's stupid. Okay, I know that now. 
But I thought, in fact, I thought when I became a Christian, I was like, man, I really want to do what God wants me to do. And I felt these things still in there, embarrassing desires. And you're going, that's embarrassing. I mean, well, I, but I love you, God. But I'm uh, craving this or craving that. Or cra- I'm going to tell you right now. It is, I think. I'll come over here. So it's I think. I, I think there's some things that you're going to struggle with to the day you die. The, the, the switch doesn't get flipped. What God does is says, this is how you ought to live. The, he, now, he calls them Gentiles, the people who are not children of God. You know how they live? According to the, the, the feeling of what they want. I want to do this. And then Disney promotes it. Follow your heart. If it feels right, you know it's good. Lies. <laughs> Stupid Disney. Uh, it's not true. Don't, don't do that. That's the worst thing. The Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who could possibly understand it? Don't follow your heart. Follow Scripture. This is how God takes you from being this to what He's called you to be at the last day. Remember the last time? Last day, stand before God on Judgment Day. Be holy and blameless before Him. How does God do that? What's the way He does it? Instructions. Now, I'm going to get there. I'm going to go, God, you did it. I'm going to be saved, but I had to stay on the boat. How does God take somebody from there to there? How, what's the actual process look like? Instructions. Commands. This is what you ought to do. But I don't really feel like doing to, Do you want to or not? Do you, want, do you ultimately? Well, I kind of want this, but I, Paul talks, he talks like that too. Paul the apostle talks like, the things I want to do, I end up not doing. And what I didn't want to do, I don't do that. And it, I mean, he gets it. That's a battle you're going to have to face. But you can't live according to that. Notice what it says. Not in the passion of lust, this lustful passion like the Gentiles, who what? Don't know God. If, if you're operating in that, you're, you're revealing that you don't really know God. Now, three means. This last one, think of it as looking for the, the burr on the horse. Somebody stuck a little something pokey in there and the horse is going out of control, right? The, Stop, whoa! Then you get the reins back to Billy and then you get the burr out of the, 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 the reins. Oh, this is what was prodding this horse. Okay, we got to get this out and get this out. This horse can't be driven by that. It's got to be driven by the reins. All right, now, three motivators. I can move through these a little bit quicker. Three motivators that Paul gives next. Verse 6, that no one, okay, so you stop, take control, don't operate according to what you're feeling in here. Why? Here's a a reason. So that you don't transgress and wrong. Now, that word wrong could mean defraud your brother. That word uh, brother is 
Adelphos, it could be brothers or sisters. It's talking about your brothers or sisters in Christ. Transgress, go somewhere where they, they ought not to go. Simple version of this. You are also causing someone else, not just you, to sin. To participate in your sin. To promote sin. And it's a motivator because what does God say? The Lord is an avenger in all these things. That's a good motivation, is it not? A lot of people go, well, there's not really, but in some of these things, there's not really, there's always a victim of this. Pornography, victims. There's, there are victims involved in that. You're defrauding people. Sinning with someone is never love. It's a defrauding of who they are. Next motivator, there's two more. God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Again, comes back to this idea of your calling. Do you want to be the person that God has called you to be? I think most people would say, yes. I, I mean, why would I not want that in this life? To be what God has called me to be. Like, if I knew that God says, I've got a special purpose for you. If he popped down here right now and said, okay, everybody get in a line. Got a special purpose for each one of you. Um, I'm going to tell you what it is today. I, I think most of us would be like, oh, I'm, yeah. I've been thinking I was doing what I was supposed to, but I meant to, to find out. Whatever that is that God has called you for, it always comes down the path. It's always in the same avenue. Not in impurity, but in holiness. So if you say, I want to do what God wants me to do, but then you're, you're over here doing these things that God has clearly said not to do, you will never find yourself to be the person God has called you to be. Ever. One more motivator. This one, this last one here, verse 8, is, I think is, uh, it can be one of the most essential of the motivators that I've read. I think those other two are wonderful. This one, this one can really, at the end of the day, and somebody, because, because I've known some that they're like, I, I'm, I can live without... God's ultimate purpose for my life. I, most people wouldn't say that, but you, you'd be amazed. I, people are like, I know that maybe, and I, maybe I'm not going to have what God has called me to be, but you know, I'll still be okay in the end. I can still do what I want. I mean, God is forgiving, right? Still do what I want. Verse 8 says this, Therefore, who, whoever disregards this, Disregards the church. Is that what it says? Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards tradition. Is that what it, is that what it says? 
Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but the old ways. Is that what it says? Do I have to keep doing that? Do I need to do a couple more? Therefore, who disregards this, disregards not man, but God. Now, I'll tell you right now, Paul's message to the Thessalonians was not get your act together and get perfect on this. If you go back to the beginning, what does he say? As I've taught you, keep doing that, but then do it better. And that is not a license to say, okay, as long as I just do a little bit better than I'm doing right now. Because I think that you and I both know that's a disregarding of God. Is it not? If you want to have an eye opener, go through the passage of Scripture where Paul says, Paul says, those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I thought we were saved by faith alone. Absolutely. But faith is demonstrated. How do you, how do you know you have faith? It's, it's demonstrated. I mean, how do you know that you believe what God says? It, you, you can bring a, a toddler in here and say, you know, how do you know, like, if you say, I'm going to tell you to do something. Do you trust me? And they say, yeah. You trust me? Yeah. And you say, okay, I want you to do this. And if they don't do it, you go, you don't trust me, do you? And they go, no, not really. <laughs> They're going to know. Inherent in trusting. In fact, one of the ways to, to see if you're trusting is to look for what? Obedience. Because if you really trust, you're going to do it. Stop. But wherever you're at on the spectrum, first of all, don't don't pat yourself on the back and say, "Not an issue." I don't I don't believe. Man, America, this country we live in, this world we live in, is saturated with immorality. It's saturated with it. Wherever you're at in that. Spectrum. Start by going, okay, God, where, where do I, where do maybe I need to stop? Where, 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 where ought I to stop? I mean, what, what things am I doing that, that maybe, maybe I've, I've just let it slide a little bit? I mean, God's way is growth, not sliding. This is what Charity and I were talking about this morning on the way over. Like, okay, what things are we going to have to go? What have we slid in? There's some things I think we've probably slid in that we need to go. We need to reevaluate, rethink. Simple as what shows you watch on TV. I mean, it's hard to watch a show. And you know what I do sometimes? I go, it's hard to watch a show without having that in there somewhere. Well, maybe I should stop watching the show. Can I get an amen on that? But it's so funny. That's, that's my excuse sometimes. So funny. Cracks me up. 
And then I read a verse like this and I go, oh, what am I doing, Matt? (laughs) I need to rethink this. If all y'all walk out of here today and you go, I can't remember what he said. I'm going to tell you right now, I studied this this week and I said, God, I know I got to grow. I know I, I got things to work on. Help me, Lord, to do that. I want to encourage you, if you're anywhere in there, if God has pricked your heart a little bit somewhere, don't let that fill you with defeat. Let it fill you with confidence to say, okay, God just revealed truth to me. Start taking these steps. Stop. Stop. The things that you know, like God God reveals to you. There's There's things that... If they never popped in your head that they're wrong, and you'll find out 10 years later, and all of a sudden one day, God like convicts your heart about it. You're like, man, I've been doing this for all this time. I never really thought about it before, but now I'm thinking about it. like, oh, Lord, I am so sorry. That's how God works. He reveals these things, and you go, okay, I need to grow in this. Let's pray. Lord, uh, as we bow our heads right now and pray together, Lord, I want to ask a prayer for all those in this room that might today say, I need to repent. I need to change my thinking about what I've been doing. There's areas that I need to grow in. Lord, I pray for those in this room that are right in that spot. Lord, I pray for those in in this room that are are sitting there and, and God, maybe you've brought something to their mind, something specific that they're living in or they're struggling with and they haven't been stopping. In fact, they've been making excuses for it. God, I pray for those that maybe this is almost a new idea. I pray they wouldn't be discouraged, but they would grab a hold of your grace and say, Lord, help me to, help me to do what you want me to do. Help me to live for you. Help me to turn away from these things and not live according to the passionate lust, but to, but to have control over this body. Lord, help me to do that. <clears throat> I pray that we as a church would grow. Lord, that we would, we would do what we've already been doing. Lord, if there's things we've been doing, help us to, to stick with those things, things that are right and good. I pray that you help us to stick with those things that we've learned and we've, we've grown in already. But Lord, help us to grow even more and more. Lord, I pray for those in this room that are right on the line. And they heard it. Lord, maybe they're still convinced they can do whatever they want. I pray that you would open up their heart and their mind to understand that to disregard you is a warning they need to heed today. I pray now, Lord, as we walk out of this building, not to let us forget these things. I know we have that tendency as people to get these things in our heads and we walk out the door and they start to fall out, start to go to the wayside and we start to forget. Help us not to. pray that your spirit would stir up in us this week. I pray that we would be convicted Lord, when we ought to stop, help us to see those things clearly. 
and help us to be obedient. Lord, I believe that you will save us all. I believe we need to stay on the boat. Pray these things now in Christ's name. Amen.